Hello and welcome to the Max Communications 2020 podcast, a series of podcasts where we explore various archives and collections. My name is Faith Williams and I'm joined today by Sophie Leverington, archivist for the Duchy of Lancaster. Hi Sophie, would you like to introduce yourself and talk about how you came to be where you are today? Hi, I'm Sophie. I um, have been the archivist for the Duchy of Lancaster for just over four years. Um, prior to that, I worked in a number of different institutions, um, including the BBC for a short time. Um, after qualifying with the, um, the MA in Archives and Records Management at UCL a few years ago. So I've had quite a varied um, past with experience in different institutions, which has been great. Um, yeah. So the duchy covers quite a wide area. Where are you based? So we have um, a number of properties, um, a number of surveys across the country. Uh, we have two main offices, one in London, um, really central, just off Waterloo Bridge. Um, so that's great for me for my commuting. Um, and then we have a secondary office in Lancaster Castle. Um, up north so that's uh, that's a really great place to visit um, I know a lot, of, a lot of staff go up there just um, as an excuse to sort of poke around the castle and explore that so that's great. How do you spend an average day in your role then? Um, so when I when I first started I was employed to create a catalogue of all the records held by the duchy um, They'd had a number of different people working here before who'd sort of been amateur historians and sorts of semi-professional archivists, but um, I was hired as the first professional. Um, so initially my first my first tasks were revolving around sort of appraisal of the records, um, creating a hierarchy, um, cataloging and repackaging records. Um, also, I should mention that when, when I was first hired, the intention was to send quite a lot of our records to the National Archives. Um, so I have, I've been working quite closely with them to um, decide what records are appropriate and to be sent to them for members of the public to view. Um, but aside from that, in recent, recent years, um, I've also taken on responsibilities with digitising um, materials, um, just because we have a lot of our records are used by staff on a regular basis and we are finding we're having issues locating some materials um, every now and then. So uh, digitising stuff just to make sure that they could find um, whatever they wanted without you know, taking their records um, out of storage, which has been a godsend, um, especially during the last few months with coronavirus. Um, working from home, we've found um, a lot of people have been able to find what they're looking for without having to come into the office, which is obviously something we've been trying to avoid. So um, that's been that's been great. Um, also, uh, I've I've also done um, quite a lot of work with Iron Mountain. We've got some records stored there um, and have been stored there for a number of years. Um, so I've been working with them to sort of go through. Um, in line with our new retention policy and just sort of weed through the stuff there and work out what we can get rid of because there's a lot of records there that we've not sort of looked at or thought about for almost decades and um, obviously that's not ideal to sort of be accruing costs. Um, 
yeah, it's just been a, it's, it's really varied day to be honest. I get, I get inquiries quite a lot, um, sometimes from staff, sometimes from um, members of the public, um, sometimes you get those through. Um, and it's, it's just great to just sort of have a variety, variety in the day and um, such an extensive collection, so much history here. It's, it's great to have the chance to explore that every now and then. Can you tell us a bit more about what type of material you're dealing with in the collection? Yeah, um, so the, the Duchy of Lancaster is um, primarily an estate archive. Um, so quite a lot of the records are property centric. So we've got a lot of deeds and leases. Um, we also have these uh, reports written by our surveyors um, and we've got them bound sort of dating back to the 1800s. And some of those are quite interesting to flick through because they go through, um, they're written when people go to view estates and properties and things and sort of report back to the office and talk about the condition things are in and things like that. And some of the old ones have got um, personal opinions on um, on tenants, uh, which is uh, quite interesting. Not personal opinions, actually, more like um, almost like Dickensian uh, description levels. So they go into... Um, exactly what the person looks like and it gives you a real insight into um, what what life was like at the time as well the way things are written is really it's quite antiquated it's quite entertaining to flick through those every now and then um, but yeah we've got it's surprising when I first started I thought you know I did my background research on what the Duchy of Lancaster did and the history and I thought oh it's probably just going to be all about the lands and the estates, but there's quite a lot of uh, human history involved as well. We've got quite a lot of strange items. Um, we've got um, a lot of personal papers from past staff members. Um, I think that they maybe just didn't want to find somewhere to store them at home at, at times, so they maybe just snuck them into the, the office um, and left them there. Um, so we've got a lot of travel diaries. Um, we've got postcards from um, holidays in the 50s and 60s that people took, um, family photographs, um, just really a really weird sort of collection of materials that you wouldn't expect to find. We um, also on occasion found uh, sort of remnants of when people have been on an overnight stay somewhere, so I found a toothbrush um, in one of the boxes alongside um, someone's report. So I think maybe they just sort of shoved everything away, forgot that their personal effects were in there. Um, also, we have um, a couple of spades which have been engraved, um, the names of uh, the Queen and the Duke of Edinburgh um, a few years ago maybe even more than that, probably about 10, 15 years ago, they went to a ceremonial tree planting on one of the estates. So um, we've got the memento for that um, amazing occasion um, in, our, in our records. Um, that's, I think that was one of the first things that I saw when I first started that sort of took, like made me sort of have a second look because I thought I didn't really expect to see that here. Um, and also we've got a, we've got a beadle's uniform, 
So Beadle is, um, I'm not 100% sure on his actual role, but um, if it just amounts to this, but he is sort of like the ceremonial head of a ceremony called the Beating of the Bounds, which is like a really ancient uh, ceremony that has taken place in the Savoy in London for, I think, maybe centuries. And it's sort of like a, a way of reclaiming the rights of the land. So traditionally, the beadle will sort of lead the procession and his uniform sort of almost like naval. He's got quite a jaunty admiral's hat um, and a, a, blue, a blue coat with buttons, with brass buttons on. Um, so he leads a procession of choir boys from the Savoy Chapel um, round the sort of boundaries of the Savoy and they sort of bash certain point each corner of the boundary and I think one of them might have been underground in one of the drains. So there's, there's pictures in the archive of a choir boy being lowered into a, into a drain to, to tap on the boundary. So that's that's something I found quite quirky and interesting about the Duchy of Lancaster. Um, they've, uh, this, this is the sort of ceremony that they've been doing since, since, um, oh gosh, I don't know when, but probably since the establishment of the Savoy. Um, and I think they stopped doing it in 1969. Um, and then just before I joined, they, they'd done it again. Um, I think in 2010, they, they did a sort of mock version of it um, just because it had been quite a big anniversary. So they, they sort of brought it back. But I don't think they um, lowered a choir boy into the drain. I hope not. <laughs> the Duchy uh, dates back to sort of the 13th century, but it sounds like a lot of your material is kind of a bit more recent than that. Yeah, so... I'm not entirely sure how this came about, but um, in about 18, 1860, um, a lot of our more ancient records were transferred over to the National Archives. Um, I'm not entirely sure why this happened, because we don't, we're not, um, you know, the National Archives traditionally only accept sort of go governmental records, um, and that sort of thing. So I'm not really sure how we ended up sending our records there, um, but we did. So we have um, some really, some of our really interesting stuff is there. We've actually got a, um, a copy of the Magna Carta, um, which is held by the National Archives for us. Uh, the, the 1297 copy, I think it is. Um, so that's, that's one of the really old things there, but um, the most 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 of the records here are sort of 1700 onwards. Um, when I was doing my catalogue in the basement, I did come across a um, document signed by Henry VIII, um, but I couldn't work out what it was, and it didn't look like an official document. So I've set that aside for the National Archives. So they're hopefully going to help me decipher what that is. Um, but yeah, every, most of our records now are general business records and more recent historical records. As the first um, sort of paid archivist in the Duchy of Lancaster, what was your biggest challenge when you came to managing the collection? 
Um, I think initially the the most difficult sort of challenge to overcome was the sort of getting my head around the extent of the records and the the way things had been listed. Um, that, as I mentioned before, that they had had historians and and sort of um, semi-professional record keepers in, but. Um, they and they'd listed they'd listed quite a lot of the material, but it wasn't in a way that I really understood. They they created a system um, that was a bit strange, and um, so I think because I I'd obviously come from a background of doing things in a specific way, so it was more it was quite an adjustment to sort of think, right? How do I how do I adapt to this? How do I work with this? Um, so that was probably the initial challenge. Um, but also, as the Dutch is a business, um, I found one of the main challenges have, has been sort of to um, work with management and get them on board with the archives project. Um, obviously, with a business, you're, you're focusing on generating money um, and um, things like that. So with, with the archives project, it did take quite a lot of time to sort of give examples of why um, investment in good records management and good archive keeping was um, going to be beneficial for the Dutch in the long run. Um, quite early on we had a, we've got lots of storage rooms um, in the London office, but they're in really, in a really bad location. They're underground and we're right by the river. Um, and we're also sort of at the other side of, I think there's a main, water mains running at the top of the hill and we're at the bottom of the hill and then the river's below us. So we quite often have issues with flooding in our basement storage. So quite early on this happened and it quite badly affected a lot of our records. So um, that was quite a big challenge, but then it also gave me the opportunity to say to management, these records are important, these have been damaged, um, because of this storage they're currently in and gave me the opportunity to say if we move these records to somewhere else if we package them differently um, this will be beneficial to them and um, they'll be in a better condition in the long term. So it's about utilizing the information that you have and making sure it's accessible in the future? Yes yeah and um, making sure that it can be used in a way that makes um, processes at the Dutch of Lancaster efficient. Because I think before before I came, um, obviously we, we had a, n a number of members of staff who knew quite a lot about the records because they'd been here for so long. So they, they knew where everything was, they, they knew what um, um, how to work with them, um, but they were the only ones that knew where everything was and I think Although that was good to have people that were so knowledgeable about, knowledgeable about the um, collections, it did sort of create an obstacle because they, if they weren't in or if they were busy, then that would sort of slow everyone else down. If they, they were requesting a particular document or a map or something and they didn't know where it was. So I think me coming in 
I think I realized quite quickly that my main goal should be to make that process easier, make it more accessible, so that those people who knew where everything was wouldn't have to be dependent upon all the time. Um, and it also takes the stress off um, staff as well because they, they don't have to think about so many different things at once. That's great that they've decided to invest in the archive then to, to help streamline their business. Yeah, it's been, it's been a really good, um, it's been a really good project. Um, we've just, we've just acquired um, Axial Collections, the cataloging software. So um, all of the catalog that I've created over the past few years will be input into there. Um, and then that will be accessible by all members of staff across the duchy and it'll be accessible remotely. So we obviously have a lot of staff that go, go out onto surveys um, across the country. Um, so it would be, be really useful for them to be able to get hold of the map when they're in the middle of like the Lancashire countryside or, you know, working from their desk at home rather than having to call one of us and ask us to send a copy over. So. I think, I think that aspect of it, the final result, has been really well received. Oh, fantastic. You've mentioned a lot of the items that you have in the collection, but what is your personal favourite? <laughs> that's, really, that's really difficult. I think, I think my personal favourite will probably be something... It's, it's quite an un, unassuming object, but I think I love it because it's quite, it's quite old and it looks, it looks quite shabby. Um, it's, an, it's a seal matrix, which is, which is basically um, like, like a stamp that you'd put into um, a blob of wax to uh, seal a document. Um, so I think it's, I think it's from the 13th century um, or something like that because I, I found it in a box and it had been sent off to the British Museum I think in the 60s to um, be identified and it came back with this little slip of paper saying I think this is the 13th century um, and that was about it but I just I just love it because it's it's about the size of a about the size of a pound coin it's really small and it's just got a tiny little carved design on it um but it just feels like it's been handled for centuries so i just i'm just really fond of that oh so it's it's something you can touch that other people throughout history have touched yeah i think that's one of the things i really like about archives that sort of physical side of things where it's, it almost ties into ties into museum like museum work quite well it makes you feel like almost you've gone back in time in a way so you're open to queries from the general public but you have a lot of your collection available at the national archives at Kew. is that correct yes um most of our sort of public uh, public records are at the national archives and i think they, they, they were sent there couple of hundred years ago. We're technically not open to inquiries, um, but we do occasionally get them and um, we do answer them if we consider them a reasonable um, request. Because we, I'm part of quite a small team, there's two other members of staff who deal with records 
related information, but they also have other responsibilities. So inquiries are very much not a focus at the Duchy of Lancaster, but we do, um, we have had researchers in very, very occasionally. Um, I think it's just, it's, it's, it tends to be maybe local historians or people that have some sort of connection with the Duchy that come in. Um, and again, that's sort of those requests to come in are screened by us to make sure that we're happy that they can't get the information elsewhere and um, the request is reasonable. Um, but yeah, we're just we're quite a small office, so um, we don't really have the capacity to, to deal with researchers on a regular basis. Yes, thank you for agreeing to speak to me today, Sophie. It's been really interesting hearing about uh, the work that kind of goes on behind doors at the Duchy of Lancaster, because obviously it's, it's owned by the Queen, um, who is, is not um, one for throwing the doors open willy-nilly, as you say, uh, researchers who have a valid reason to come in, that's fine, but it's, it's, not, it's not Buckingham Palace, is it? No. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. Thank you.